0: Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast, sponsored by Taverna's Licorice Comfits. They're not torpedoes. On these shows, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden, and how they influenced me growing up as a boy in 1980s and 1990s Birmingham. look at them today as well, and see if my opinions have changed. This week, I'm looking at the song Hooks In You, which is track 8 on the No Prayer For The Dying album. Last week I looked at Run Silent Run Deep and had some feedback on the show. You may remember that I said you couldn't play the EastEnders theme tune using the wind voice on Michael Patterson's Yamaha Porter sound. Now Mark Harvey's been in touch to say that he used to have a girlfriend who could play the East Enders theme tune using the wind from her bottom. Well I think this has gone far enough hasn't it? The fart jokes. After Dennis Stratton last week talking about farting and the duvet Um, people now think it's funny, as if it's 1990 again. Well, it wasn't funny, was it, when I did that noise under the armpit, making that sound. um, People didn't like it, saying it was immature, but now suddenly it's all right to talk about farting. Well, I don't want this on the podcast. I also mentioned last week about the ratings of the podcast, comparing it to hit TV show Neighbours. Now, after complaining they'd gone down on the episode that Pterodactyl Mark was on, I noticed that Run Silent Run Deep was the best performing episode ever. Now you'll remember that there was no Pterodactyl Mark in it, so maybe him being dropped for that episode was justified. But then I had a horrible thought. Maybe his appearance on The Assassin made more people tune in for Run Silent Run Deep, hoping he'd be back again. So I don't know what to do. Either way, let's talk about Hooks In You. This song's written by Dickinson and Smith, it says, and this is interesting for two reasons. Adrian had left the band, hadn't he? So why is he a songwriting credit on this album? And why is it Dickinson Smith and not Smith Dickinson like the other songs? You might remember last week I said that I thought that whoever came second in the listing wrote the lyrics and that was my theory. Well here I am, proved wrong within a week. The reason Adrian's listed is because he wrote some of this song during the early stages of writing the album but of course he left, maybe not keen with a new direction. The band kept the song though and they recorded it with Yannick. I wonder how Adrian feels about this. Perhaps the same as how Paul Diano felt when Bruce sang Remember Tomorrow live. Except Hooks In You isn't about Adrian Smith's granddad. It opens in a slightly similar way to Two Minutes to Midnight. And also the song Speed of Light, which comes later on the Book of Souls album. And both of these songs are written by the same songwriting duo. So that's exciting, isn't it? Now I'm not going to jump ahead and review Speed of Light because that comes later but there's this funny sound that Nico does, like a percussion noise that we've also got on Hooks In You it's like a clunking noise, like hitting a fray bentos tin with a fork or throwing a can of cherry coke into the bin here's the actual introduction with that sound I think it's strange that they use this sound here. It takes away some of the seriousness or menace. So maybe this might be a fun song, like Holy Smoke was. But then Hooks and You will later talk about burying someone under the concrete. Just like Holy Smoke was about burning evangelists. And this doesn't sound like fun, does it? None of this happened at the McDonald's party in Erdington, where Trevor did that rude thing with the Ronald McDonald puppet. By this stage I was a teenager of course, so people didn't have parties at Wimpy or McDonald's anymore a Swimming Bath stopped doing parties for children, for some reason. Uh, So people went to the Aycox Green Bowling Alley, or Stumps Indoor Cricket in Sturchler. Sometimes I was invited. Anyway, this strange, almost comical sound, I wonder why they didn't use it more often. I find out now that it wasn't Nico hammering on a fray tin. It's something called a cowbell. That's a bit silly, because it looks nothing like a cowbell, or a bell that a cow might wear. If you look at that lilac cow on the milk of chocolate bars, that's got a bell like you ring at the end of school playtime. Whereas cow bells here that are on a drum kit look like a bit of a hollow doorstop or the beak of a duck. When Bruce comes in with the vocal, everything seems a bit strange. The rhythm—it's um, like a standard timing, but everything doesn't seem to be in sync. The vocal and the guitar seems to be all over the place. Right Bruce's vocal here is also at its most raspy on the album I think. He says, well I've got the keys to view at number 22. So this is an interesting start. Sounds like Bruce is looking round a house. But then number 22, that's significant isn't it? Because maybe it's 22 Acacia Avenue, the address where Charlotte the Harlot lived. You might recall that the previous songs in this trilogy were in 1980 and 1982. So this suggests that eight years later, maybe the property's up for sale. Now I could speculate at the rise in house prices during this period but having mentioned inflation before in terms of the price of services for a sex worker or a Mars bar with limited interest from you I'm not going to. I don't think Charlotte owned the house anyway. Let's see what happens when Bruce looks around the property. If he wants to buy the house of course he should ask some important questions of the estate agent But what local amenities there are. And he had children didn't he in 1990 so maybe he'd like to know about the local schools or the crime rate. Now remember, there was no internet then, so he couldn't find this out so easily. But instead of this, he just spends time making silly puns, and estate agents are notorious for not liking this. Basically, the song's about Bruce looking round a house, where there are some interesting sexy implements on display, which are hooks in the ceiling. Now you might think this isn't too strange. People put hooks in the wall to hang up pictures, don't they? You might get a small hole in the wall when this happens, but... It's better than blue tack which leaves a nasty mark when you take down your posters of Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Jet out of Gladiators. Hooks in the ceiling, though. That, that doesn't work, does it? You can't hang pictures from the ceiling. I don't think you can. My dentist had a poster on the ceiling so you could look at it while you were lying in the chair. It was this nice maze puzzle. These hooks were for something sexy, though, that I don't fully understand. I don't want to Google it, really, in case my mum looks at my internet history again. I think if you're looking around a house, uh, focusing on these hooks isn't really the best thing to do at this stage. Because if there's cracks in the ceiling near them, then this might be down to structural movement. And this will be shown when you come to do the survey, wouldn't it, at a later stage. You can't just link it to the hooks. If you think this is an issue for you when you're looking around a house, then I suggest you get professional advice, because I don't think it's within the scope or skill set of an estate agent. Back to the song though. And uh, yeah, it's alright, but the vocal and melody is a bit too much for me because of the lyrics and even though I said I might not understand what the hooks are for I'm guessing based on the puns in it it's something to do with bondage perhaps people were in this house tied up to the ceiling while naughty things happened you might remember some of the lines in 22 Acacia Avenue about beating and mistreating so it's all sex worker stuff isn't it the puns are things like I like a girl who knows where she's bound I don't like girls who've been hanging around and then She's tied up, she can't come to the phone. These are all plays on words or terms with double meanings, but I don't think they're very good. There's also a mention of well hung, which is reference to Willie. Now I'm not impressed by the language or lyrics here. We all know Bruce can be quite poetic when he wants to be. We had Revelations, Power Slave, and even last week we had The Oily Sea. And here it's a bit lads down the pub. Uh, and he, he tried a boardy tone didn't he in his novel Lord Ify Boat Race Hooks in You is the title And the word hooks can mean various things Having hooks in something or someone Might mean you've got them under your control Or it might be a reference to fingernails Perhaps another kinky fetish in this world I knew at the age of 13 that I shouldn't tell Fiona Gregory I wanted my hooks in her But I'd also disagree with the line I don't like girls who've been hanging around Because that can be good I remember at the end of geography class, Fiona Gregory would wait around. She'd take her time to put her exercise books away and we'd end up often walking to the cloakroom together before lunchtime. I never knew why she hung around, but I liked it. I remember once I tried to do a joke about being hungry after the geography lesson because we'd looked at the country Hungary in the class. <laughs> so, yeah, she smiled. But I suppose it's not the best joke, is it? Mentioning Hungary after the country Hungary? And that's probably why I'd never do a comedy podcast. So yeah, unlike the lyrics, I wish more girls would hang around. That'd be nice, but uh, that doesn't mean I want stalkers. If someone has their hooks in you, then this can also mean having control or influence. So you could say that Fiona Gregory did have her hooks in me, with a presence before lunchtime. But then my behaviour was also controlled and influenced by my mum, who's a dinner lady. So when this was all happening, I was self-conscious about talking to Fiona Gregory, with her watching so she also had a hooks in me so in these examples it's more of a psychological thing fiona gregory didn't have a literal fingernail hooks in me although this was something i occasionally thought about at bath time the chorus repeats the word hooks which isn't a great word for saying or singing aloud because that harsh k sound hooks in you hooks in me hooks in the ceiling for that well hung feeling great, is it? The guitar behind it reminds me of that Alton John song Saturday Night's Alright, open brackets, for fighting, close brackets it's got that same riff verse two, it's just more of the same, and we've had this in the last few songs where they're just continuing on a theme, but in the second chorus, there is a change at the end of it, it goes into this nice little section
1: I've got those hooks in you.
0: and I think I'd have liked this more as the intro to the song but you know, take the vocal away it's got that sort of diddle-dum bit although I don't mind the vocal here I think it would have worked at this point but maybe have this as a repeat of that introduction that would have been nice, wouldn't it? that diddle-dum then leads to a solo it's got like a high-pitched whine which might reflect the submissive person tied up to the ceiling and the noise they'd made Well, let from Yannick.
1: Getting Jiggy With It Getting Jiggy With It Hello, I'm Yannick Gers from Iron Maiden and welcome to another Getting Jiggy With It. I remember going to those youth club discos in the early 1970s. They brought over that reggae and soul music from overseas. It wasn't in the charts over here. I'm not sure we were ready for that like, or that emotion and bobbing up and down on the offbeat. I preferred that glam rock stuff. Ride a White Swan by the T-Rex. That was a good one. I created a dance sequence called Ride the White Swan where I pretended I was sat upon a white swan and gliding down the river Tees on it. I'd squat down and bend my knees like and hold an imaginary rein which was attached to a collar on the swan's neck. I'd glide around the dance floor. A shame the song was a bit jerky really and demanded things like clapping and swaying but people used to like me ride a white swan move. There's Yannick Gers on his white swan. They'd all say and point. They all wanted to follow me and do the same, like a swan conga in a big line. But I said, no, there's only one swan on the river. And all the kids cried. He was good, the T-Rex. A couple of years later at the youth club and someone asked why I didn't do the white swan dance to Crazy Horses by the Osmonds. I said, I can't ride a white swan to Crazy Horses by the Osmonds. It's a different species, man. I didn't know about improvisation then. One of life's regrets. Getting jiggy with it.
0: At the end of the solo, we go back into that cowbell bit and then Bruce screams. So we've had the whine of a guitar and the scream of Bruce, which, again, maybe reflects the noises that would have come from this house and the neighbours might have complained about it and called the police. We get another verse, uh, but there's no surprises and he just screams filler at this stage. We get that diddle-dum section again to end it all and then Bruce does vary the hooks-in-you vocal, but... When it ends it's just a relief really I think it's just a very standard rock song and I expect better from Iron Maiden in all aspects, music, lyrics and all of it it's just a bit throwaway. maybe it fits in more with some of that macho rock that was out at the time but this doesn't suit Iron Maiden I'm not impressed with it and I never have been Right, I'm going to give Trevor a ring now see what he's been up to
2: Hi Wayne
0: Hi Trevor, what have you been doing?
2: Well, still recovering from this storm been interesting hasn't it? been looking out the window and enjoying it. Enjoying it? Well, it's just something interesting to look at. I suppose it isn't enjoyable. It's good that the shed's still standing, though.
0: Oh, that's a relief.
2: Storm Eunice. It's a funny name, isn't it? They go through the alphabet. Uh, it was Dudley before, D-E. Maybe when they get to T, it'll be Storm Trevor. It'll be nice to have a storm named after me. It'll be wild and passionate.
0: Well, they wouldn't name a storm after you, would they? It'd just be called Trevor, because it's a name beginning with T.
2: They might do. What would a storm Wayne be like? I don't know. Wet, cold, blustery.
0: I'm not blustery.
2: Yeah, well, I listened to last week's episode.
0: Well, good, I would hope you do that normally.
2: Well, yeah, but it was funny you mentioned spilling pop down an inkwell. I'm sure that was Michael Patterson's desk.
0: No, you're thinking of the Amstrad, aren't you? We don't want to go over that again.
2: No, this was him as well. I remember his face. 'Cause all his books smelt of lilt. Lilt? Yeah, remember the drink? I think you still get it. We all sang the advert to him. Okay. Lilt, for a totally tropical taste, pineapple and grapefruit.
0: All right, I don't think lilt advert was done in a brummy accent.
2: Well, that's how it went. That's how we sang it in class.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know.
2: Anyway, as usual, you tried to blame me, but I never drank lilt. I bet you've mentioned something else this week that you did, but you've claimed it was me. I always find these things out later. I don't like it.
0: All right Trevor, I'm sure I haven't done that. Anyway, let's talk about the song, Hooks In You. How do you feel about it?
2: Yeah, I like it. Not.
0: What? What's that mean?
2: Do you remember, around this time we'd add not to the end of a sentence? To be like a sarcastic witty retort.
0: I do, vaguely, so we would add not to a statement. But today that's not really a sarcastic, witty retort, is it?
2: That's only because of what Thomas Spencer shouted at you from upstairs on the bus going to school.
0: Oh, I don't remember this.
2: He said, you're my best friend, Wayne. Not.
0: OK, well, I'd rather forget that Monday.
2: It was funny, wasn't it? Saying not after everything.
0: Mm, Yeah, Yeah, maybe.
2: I got into a bit of a scrape, though, once. At Wimbush, the baker's.
0: What happened?
2: I said, I'll have ten sausage rolls. Okay. And I forgot to say not. Well, I remembered, but it was too late. She'd already filled up half the bag. And when I said not, she just looked at me. She was too old to understand youth culture, and she made me pay for it. I had to use the money I was going to give to Scruffy Taylor. It was sad. I had to write the hundred lines out myself. Okay. But at least I had some sausage rolls.
0: Ten sausage rolls?
2: Yeah, ten. I remember you ordering seven tenpence mix-ups once. I never asked any questions.
0: So is that your review then? What? Your review of the song, I Like It Not.
2: Yeah. Well, it isn't very good, is it? It's maybe the weakest song we've covered so far. Worse than Women in Uniform.
0: Steady on. I remember you being annoyed about it because it had the same title as a Merillion song.
2: Yeah, that was a Merillion single the year before. I quite like Merillion then. I painted my face like fish and ran around the garden singing I'm Trevor the Fish
0: Well that doesn't work Why not? Well fish doesn't begin with T does it? So you can't say "to Trevor the Fish Sounds silly and and fish didn't paint his face to look like a fish
2: It doesn't matter Anyway I moved on around this time There were lots of exciting new indie bands
0: Oh uh, yeah or was it you liked? The Inspiral Carpet
2: Yeah and Ned's Atomic Dustbin.
0: Never heard of them.
2: They were local. The Midland scene was quite good. We had the Wonder stuff and populated itself.
0: You're just making these up now, aren't you? No, I'm not. Anyway, have you got a poem?
2: Yeah, here we go. Hand in hand with the real world, skipping down the Mont Saint Michel, duffel coat and scarf, the richness of your laugh, the elegance of your smell, my head. What's going on? I'm speaking French.
0: Yeah, I can can tell, but we don't know what
2: you're saying, do we? Oh, it's basic French.
0: I don't think so. I've got a horrible feeling this is dirty again, erotic, like last week.
2: No, it's basic French.
0: It isn't, is it? That basic French, I don't remember whatever you just said. I didn't learn at school. You know, it's things like... Je m'appelle Wayne, j'habite au Birmingham, je voudrais le saucisson.
2: Well, they're silly, you wouldn't say that, would you? Of course you would, they're basic sentences. Yeah, but you wouldn't say that in the real world, would you? I'm Wayne, I live in Birmingham, and I'd like some sausages. You might do. Anyway, you've interrupted again.
0: Well, yeah, well, I I didn't like it, I, I want to know what you're saying.
2: Well, can I just finish it, please? Yeah, okay. Okay, we don't have to put
0: on a silly accent, do you? You could have just said it normally, like I did with my French.
2: Well, you have to make an effort.
0: Okay, so what does it mean then, that bit?
2: Well, it just means, I hope that you're dying to get your hooks into me, because I'm obsessed with you. Well,
0: that doesn't rhyme, does it?
2: Well, it did in French. That's why I did it. Okay. And it had a nice A, B, C, C, B, A rhyme scheme in the first stanza, which I'm sure listeners were impressed with.
0: Yeah, maybe. OK, so it's clearly about the French trip, the one to St Malo in the first year. Yeah. I remember we stayed in that family house, didn't we, together?
2: Yeah, I've still got that photo of you in the bed, holding the daughter's dolly, wearing your Aston Villa Hummel shirt from that time.
0: All right, well, I'd rather not talk about that.
2: I vaguely remember you quite like the older daughter.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, she was quite, yeah, nice.
2: Remember they had that funny cake for breakfast?
0: Yeah, I didn't like that.
2: And they had the biggest for supermarket I've ever seen.
0: How do you remember all this?
2: Well, I just remember. You were too busy buying all that Hollywood chewing gum, trying out all the different flavours. You will not shut up about it. Yeah,
0: well, it was nice. Okay, let's move on. Next week we've got Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter, so there you go. They've done a rhyme for you, so hopefully you'll do a good poem.
2: Yeah, hope so.
0: Good. All right, then, well, I'll speak to you next week then.
2: All right, thanks, Wayne. Bye.
0: Right, you can follow me on social media. I'm at Wayne Maiden on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram. And I'm on Ko-Fi. I've got a Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi.com forward slash wimp. Some people call it coffee, so, but I've been calling it Ko-Fi and no one's pulled me up on it, so... I keep calling it Kofi. I've had a few people commenting about this week's show. Um, you know, looking at the fact I'm doing hooks in you. I've had John Copeland say it's the Tom Tittist song of Iron Maiden. So that's not good, is it? And Kirsty Prince said it's a horrible song. So there seems to be a unanimous verdict. But we can't just accept two people, can we? Let's delve deeper. The Ballad of Balf says it's gored awful. That's what he says, and it's got a pound shop vibe. Um, So apologies to Power Save if you're listening. There are other discount stores available. He also said about changing the lyrics to reflect the values and standards of the firm Raw Plug, who offer an alternative method of war fitting. I think he was implying that they might want to sponsor the show. So yeah, look forward to hearing from you. Raw Plug. Now these are all negative comments. And from this episode, you might feel that perhaps I've been negative about it. So I went online to see if I could find any positive thoughts about the song. And of course, I went to YouTube. Now the good news and the bad news is there is live footage of Hooks In You because they did play this one live on that tour. So it was quite interesting to hear this. There was one that was uploaded from Wembley Arena in 1990. And it was, yeah, again, interesting to hear, but not a highlight of Iron Maiden's career. Bruce sounds a bit out of breath. Uh, Clearly he's probably running around, but there's no actual video footage, so I can't see what he's doing. Um, but you can sort of get the sense that the song's a bit faster. Maybe they're playing it a bit too quickly. Um, so because of this, he's out of breath and he doesn't growl so much. So maybe he's a bit better. It's interesting to hear him say, come on, just before the chorus, hoping that the crowd all join in. But I can just picture everyone turning their back on him. A bit like Dennis Stratton did when Adrian came on the stage at that show he went to. Now, once again, there's an upload from Graham Cracker, who's done a few of these from, from this album. And, uh, yeah, there's actually video footage from the show, which is great, so I can comment on that as well. You've got Steve running around, and the crowd are waving while they're playing the song, and they're shaking their fists. But uh, I don't know if they're shaking their fists because they're enjoying it, or maybe they're shaking them in anger, and a sort of, curse you, Iron Maiden, they, they might be saying. It's nice to Yannick's moves as well, doing a bit of twirling and kicking his feet. One thing I didn't know, and that I learned from this video, was that this song is the one that Eddie comes on stage to. Now, I wouldn't have known this, because I didn't go to any gigs on this tour. So, yeah, it's nice to see him come on. I mean, the footage is quite grainy, and it's from a distance, but you get the idea. Now, I think it's a bit strange that Eddie does come on for this song. Why choose this one? It just seems wrong, and he's probably not that impressive an Eddie either. He's just swaying a bit. Although he does back Yannick into a corner, which might have made a few people chuckle. Ultimately though, the song choice and the Eddy means it isn't really a spectacle. Anyway, I went on YouTube really to get comments from people to see if I could get a balanced opinion of the song rather than all these negative thoughts. Someone called Seventh Skate says, This song is hideously underrated. Now, I think they might have meant to stop that sentence at hideous, but I guess they didn't and that's their opinion. They go on to say, It's a great tune, am I right? Uh, Which I don't think they expect me to answer that question. And then they also say, I think they should play this live in the future again. Now like a comment we've had previously, this was written about 14 years ago. So hopefully they've grown up a bit and reflected on what they've said and realised that they're probably not going to play this song again, even for a joke. There's someone called Philippe Dromundo as well. He says, this is without a doubt one of the best Iron Maiden songs ever written. Now I had to sit down after reading this. I, I can't believe that someone may have typed this out. Now you might say, that's unfair Wayne, he's just got a different opinion to you. Let's hear how he justifies it. Luckily, he does try to. He says, it's catchy, yet intricate, and with great guitar riffs. Now I don't know if Philippe Dramundo has ever sat down and listened to any other Iron Maiden songs directly after this, or before it, to compare it side by side. I don't think he has. Um, I was quite tempted to search for him on Google and see if I could find him on Facebook. See what his face was like so I could put a face to these comments but I was advised not to. So yeah there's some comments that I've had on social media and that I've found from other people on other platforms because YouTube is social media. I did have another comment about something we've said previously here when Trevor brought up the fact that I auditioned for Oliver and I didn't get past the solo round due to my efforts performing Food Glorious Food. Now, it is sort of a touchy subject, but someone said, oh, following this, what happened to your acting career? Now, I must say that that experience did knock my confidence a bit, because at primary school, I did get some quite good roles. I was Humpty Dumpty. I was a sheep in the nativity play, um, although that wasn't a speaking part. And I played peasant number three in Sleeping Beauty. Now, these roles were quite important in my life. But following the Oliver audition, I didn't follow this up at big boys school. So, uh, yeah that's what happened and even if I thought I might make it on TV I felt that now I was too old to be a child star but too young to take lead so I was in an awkward position and I think I moved on and didn't think about this so much anymore so yeah that was the end of my acting career I suppose but thanks for the interest next week we've got Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter so a nice big single to cover so that'd be nice hopefully you can join me for that and uh, yeah I'll uh, speak to you next week